as our next settled minister. Friends, members, family, honored guests, please thank you for joining us and let us make this place holy with our presence, with our love, and with our community. Thank you all for coming. you in the opening hymn this morning. Some of you have sung this a few times before. <laughs> it's called People of Hope. It's uh, our song, you might say, and um, the choir is going to help. So if you would please rise and body your spirit to join us in People of Hope. We're going to sing the whole thing today. Yeah. 
God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts. Philippians 4, 7. The simplest pleasures have a circumference too wide to be circumscribed by our compass. The color of the violet, the perfume of the rose, the flavor of the strawberry bring a joy beyond our measuring and give a peace that transcends our reason not because it is unreasonable, but because it springs from the same source as that which, from which reason comes. How much more does the peace-giving power of truth-seeking, right-doing, and loving envelop our understanding? It encloses it and consequently cannot be encompassed by it. When the lonely heart awakens to a sense of fellowship and its isolation is enveloped with kindred spirits, when finiteness melts into infinitude, when weakness feels the embrace of a love that is omnipotence, when ignorance bows before infinite verities, 
and knowledge grows large enough to find its measureless ignorance. Then that knowledge is changed into wisdom that is better than riches, the peace that passeth understanding. Rachel is tall, (laughs) and I am short. The call today to women is to live their own lives more abundantly. So said the Reverend Caroline Bartlett Crane 120 years ago this month. In May of 1896, the minister of the People's Church of Kalamazoo addressed, yay, (laughs) addressed the General Federation of Women's Clubs in Louisville, Kentucky. Her topic, the regeneration of society and women's role therein. She was speaking to a generation of women who had moved from being defined by and isolated in the home to forming women's associations to take on the task of helping the human needs of others. These women were working harder than ever to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And as many of you know, Caroline Bartlett Crane was chief among them. Her call to ministry was intimately tied to a desire to improve the social good. She saw the congregation as a means to expand the religious consciousness of its members and to improve social conditions and transform community life. For her, church was all about being relevant. The true church and its work, she said, are not to be measured by fixed rules, but rather by their fitness and serviceableness to the time and place in which they are found. So perhaps she surprised both the women of Louisville and herself when she explained that her call to an abundant life was not a call to do more, not to form more associations or join more committees, not to work harder to make the world go right. Instead, she asked them, how is your own regeneration? If one is hurried, feverish, cross in one's own life, she said, one can do little to improve society. So she encouraged these women to consider the state of their own life, the only one we have to live, she said. The danger, she went on, is that manifold charities may leave small room for charity, symposiums for study, entertainment for hospitality, or church work for religion. Those of you who are members of People's Church know Caroline Bartlett Crane well, but some of our guests may not. 
She was called in 1889 as a young woman to minister to the First Unitarian Church of Kalamazoo, a tiny, dying congregation. Five years later, it was renamed, rebirthed as the People's Church. They had built a new building at the center of the city. It was meticulously designed as a home for all manner of what Crane called institutional activity. A public kindergarten, a women's gymnasium, courses for men and women alike, a parlor reserved for meetings of the Frederick Douglass Society, a literary society of Kalamazoo's citizens of color, Sunday morning services, Sunday morning services, Sunday evening services, so much more happened in that building. Caroline Bartlett Crane herself was a whirlwind of activity. Since Rachel asked me to deliver today's sermon, I have been researching Crane's life, and I will tell you that just reading about everything she did during her nine years as your minister, the minister of this congregation and in the decades of civic work she did after leaving the, minister, the ministry, just reading about it is enough to tire a woman out. And she seemed filled with boundless energy. And yet, in 1896, two years before she left, the ministry, exhausted. There is her question to the women of Louisville, not what more will you do, but how are you living? How is it with your own regeneration? In biology, regeneration refers to an adaptation for growth that allows a cell, an organism, an animal, or an ecosystem to be resilient in the face of damage or disaster. In theology, regeneration refers to the work of the Holy Spirit on one's heart. You have heard folks say they are born again, regenerated, given new life, made whole. During Caroline Bartlett Crane's time, members of the social gospel movement were more interested in social regeneration than in that regeneration of the individual heart. How could the church be a revitalizing force in cities like Kalamazoo? How might congregations and governments alike provide the services that people needed to survive and to thrive? This was the preeminent question of Caroline's life. So you see how radical it was for her in those last years of her ministry to turn the question back to the individual. But she knew from experience where one had to start if one wanted to make a difference on a large scale. The same is true for us today. Yet again, we seek the regeneration of our society a society in which the gap between rich and poor continues to grow exponentially, a society in which we see the rancid results of racial and economic justice, injustice, xenophobia, gun violence. And as we ask ourselves what we can do to restore such a society, I suggest we glean the wisdom of our ancestors and begin by asking, how is it? with our own regeneration. First, 
What kind of self-regeneration is needed to do the work of ministry in today's world? And second, in this time and this place, on this auspicious occasion, the installation of your new minister, what does it mean for people's church to be born yet again? We start, our ancestors tell us, with our own souls. The color of the violet, Reverend Jenkin Lloyd-Jones wrote. The perfume of the rose, the flavor of the strawberry. The simplest pleasures bring a joy beyond measure and a peace that surpasses human, wisdom, human reason. And let's face it, a peace that surpasses our wisdom too, right? Our limited wisdom. When was the last time you felt that kind of joy, that kind of peace? Jones, who is affectionately known in my family as Uncle Jenk, mentored the young Caroline Bartlett Crane. She was, by all accounts, also touched by this idea. She used it often in her sermons. For her, the peace which passes understanding was found in the social work of church and institution and in the mystery and majesty of creation. In one sermon, she cautioned her congregation against the loss that comes through our insensibility to the miracles of every day. She then told in great detail the story of watching a single sunrise. Sermons were much longer then. <laughs> Finally, she concluded, another day was born, making life out of seeming death and flashing the message to man to arise and gird himself and go forth to work. Now, Rachel, as the mother of a young child, I am sure you have seen your share of sunrises. <laughs> I am not, nor was Carrie Crane, saying that in order to live an abundant life, one must rise at dawn each day. The point is, if we take the time to look, we will see the miraculous all around us and rebirth everywhere we turn. Years ago, the Reverend Rob Hardy's gave a sermon at our General Assembly that I will never forget. He told the story of seeing a bumper sticker that read, Born Again, and he wondered what a Unitarian Universalist version of the sticker would be. It would say he decided, born again and again and again. <laughs> every day, every day we are invited to regenerate our weary souls. Every day we are invited to be mindful of miracles in the mundane. Every day we are invited to be born again and again and again. This is what it means to live our life more abundantly. And if we are to do the work of ministry, if we are to build or restore anything in this land of ours, if we are to regenerate the church, if we are to regenerate society, we must be spiritually grounded in this sense of abundance. Minister and layperson alike. This is how we will be resilient. 
This is how we will be relevant. So in the days and months and years ahead, ask each other and ask your minister, how is it with your own regeneration? Because individual regeneration begets collective regeneration. Here at People's Church, as we heard and we will hear, I have a feeling today, you are people of hope, people of love, people of change. You inherit a rich legacy of vibrant, driven women in ministry and of church that is relevant to the lives of its people and its community. Yours is a legacy of rebirth. Yours is a legacy of vital, practical religion that heals the broken hearts of those who walk through your doors and addresses the ills of society beyond your brick-and-mortar walls. In partnership with local, national, and international congregations and other institutions, you answer the call of hope, the call of love, the call of justice, the call to change. This has been your story for generations. Today marks the advent of the latest iteration, the latest rebirth, born again and again and again. In the final year of her ministry, Caroline Bartlett Crane asked the people of this congregation to consider to what life called them. What can you pass down to the ages to come, she said. The old generation is going, she said. What will the new bring us? What shall we ourselves contribute? Destiny says to us, show what is in thee. Now is the moment. Now is the hour. It is thy turn. The time of apprenticeship is over. My friends, the time of apprenticeship is over. How will you answer life's call? Today you enter a new era of ministry with the Reverend Rachel Lonberg. Together you will see to the regeneration of your souls. Together you will see to the regeneration of your church and of the world beyond your walls. In so doing, you will find that peace that peace which passes understanding, that peace of kindred spirits and shared fellowship, the peace of grateful hearts working together for the lives of others, working to build something new. Now is the moment. Now is the hour. Awaken and arise. Gird yourselves for the work ahead. This is your new day. In body or spirit, I invite you to rise as we sing together. Wake now my senses.
great privilege and honor to be here today to honor an unfolding ministry between a friend and colleague that I have long admired and a congregation that, as we heard today, has such a rich and important story. I will be honest and tell you that I am a huge history nerd, the kind that you don't want to be stuck next to at a dinner party. So I was already a huge fan of Carolyn Bartlett Crane, especially when I learned about her in seminary, and ever since then, she has been a role model to me. As we heard today, she was an early pioneer for women ministers, and she worked with the people of this church to create a profound ministry of hospitality. During her time, the congregation changed its name to People's Church, designed a warmer, more home-like building, and became a central part of the community. Therefore, this congregation has hospitality woven into its very fabric. And it's the kind of ministry that is just as critical today as it was over 100 years ago. To be committed to hospitality is to be committed to helping both strangers and friends in need. It's a way to recognize that we are part of the interdependent web of all life. So truly, what happens to one of us affects us all. Today, as is the tradition in services of installation, we take up a special offering to support causes that are important to the congregation. It's fitting, then, that your generous gifts will support both strangers and friends who are in need. Part of the offering today will go towards supporting the work of the newly formed Refugee Resettlement Team here at People's Church, which helps refugees and immigrants from around the world. The other part of the offering will go to the UUA's Living Tradition Fund, which offers help to ministers in our association during times of critical financial need. In one of her first few sermons here, Reverend Rachel talked about the warm hospitality she received from the Syrian people during a trip to Syria in 2001. She talked about how those same kind and generous people are now at the heart of our current refugee crisis. She challenged the congregation to embrace a vision of radical hospitality, both within and outside these church walls, 
and the People's Church boldly accepted this challenge. In just a few short months, the People's Church formed the Refugee Resettlement Team, which is working together with Bethany Christian Services to help a refugee family make a smooth transition to their new home in West Michigan. For the first six months, the team will help provide assistance such as meeting the family at the airport, driving them to doctor's appointments, collecting donations of items for their new home, offering language tutoring, and helping them search for jobs. The goal of the resettlement program is direct and powerful. Provide a safe new community for refugee and immigrant families where they will be able to thrive as self-sufficient contributing members of society. The refugee work is a critical way to open our hearts and communities to strangers from around the world. And the Living Tradition Fund is a way to continually help our friends, our ministers within this association. Ministers, as Richard Gilbert reminds us, are charged with being both guardians of the past and transformers of the tradition. But this charge comes with great responsibility and often great cost. Creating a system of support ensures that each generation, there will be those who can dedicate their lives to Unitarian Universalism. Your generosity today will help a seminarian trying to make ends meet a new minister trying to juggle an entry-level salary with crushing student loan debt. It will help a religious professional facing bankruptcy due to a loved one's health crisis, or a retired minister living in poverty. Your gifts to both the Living Tradition Fund and the Refugee Resettlement Team will continue this congregation's long legacy of hospitality. It will ensure that a story of love and service will be told in this community for generations to come. Please join us and give as generously as you can. Thank you.
Join me in giving thanks by joining me in the words printed in your order of service. From the countless gifts we each have been given, gifts of life and love and sustenance, we bring these small portions to share in the works of love which none of us can accomplish alone. Thank you. In the Unitarian Universalist tradition, the authority and privilege of calling a minister rests wholly with the congregation. After an extensive search process and a period of discernment for this congregation and for you, we voted to call you as our minister last May. Since then, you have moved to this community and have begun serving this church in worship, in pastoral care, representing us in the community, teaching, and administering the organization. Rachel, already we have recognized your calling to our ministry. You have ministered with us, to us, and for us since you began serving here last August. Now on this day, we install you as our minister to live and serve, learn and love with us. Rachel, are you ready and willing to undertake the commitments of this ministry? I am. Now, if you'll join us, reading as the members of People's Church in Kalamazoo, hereby install you, Rachel Lomberg, as the subtle minister of People's Church. We would have you lead with courage and compassion in this world of pain and promise. Speak the truth and freedom and love. Minister unto all people in their joys and their sorrows. Invite your people into lives transformed by love and shaped by the pursuit of justice. With a heart full of love, a deep sense of responsibility, and a tremendous joy, I take up the ministry into which you have called me. Let us together transform ourselves so we can transform the world. Let us together be people of love, people of hope, and people of change. I'd like to invite all of those gathered here to rise and join the members of People's Church in affirming this installation. We, the gathered community, recognize and affirm you as the minister of this church. We rejoice with you on this occasion and all 
celebrate that you are our newly installed minister. We offer you this stole. Let me show it. The stole was designed by Donna Grath, Barbara Davis, and Anne Hutchison and made on behalf of the People's Church by Anne with fabric supplied by Barbara. We chose gray and blue to blend with your blue robe. (laughs) These seven gold stripes represent our seven Unitarian Universalist principles. May this stole remind you of our shared commitment to our living tradition. Now we place this stole on you. May its weight remind you of the responsibilities of ministry. May it wrap around you like a hug, reminding you of the love that will not let us go. Hello, people's people. I'm going to ask you to move around now a little as you are able and willing. We have heard many words. There are many words in a call. You've made a call. Rachel has answered a call. The call and the ministry have been acknowledged. And Rachel is installed, but we live in our full bodies. We live lives that involve all of us. Ministry is more than just words, and therefore we need to remind ourselves that ministry is what all of us do together, and it involves all that we are. So here's a small dance that we will do together. Life is constantly a dance. I'm going to ask Rachel to move right to the front of the stairs on the floor since you're tall. People will be able to see you. I'm going to ask those, especially ministers who are not part of this congregation, and if you're visiting and are not part of the congregation, I'm going to ask you now to try to space yourself and encircle this congregation. So if you all would try to begin to do that. And members of this congregation, I'm going to ask you to move in so that you, if you're able and willing to stand and do this, to move. I want some of you, especially these first two rows, maybe Diane and that you all could lead, and and some of you come behind Rachel, so we can make a full circle behind Rachel. Some of the choir members can do that. And then everyone else needs to be within reaching distance of some other person who's a member of the congregation. We're going to reach hand to shoulder, hand to shoulder, hand to shoulder. And um, Ben and Megan, I wish you would go right by, um, Ben and Megan, could you go beside Rachel? Where did you all go? Ben and Megan? All right, well, whoever is by, by Rachel, make sure you have hands on her shoulders, please. Okay, got good. Would you all be, have hands on her shoulders? So now, feeling instead of talking. Feeling. Feeling the fact that we are connected, feeling the fact that we share everything we do, which we call ministry, being in the world, being with each other, being for each other, for all of the good that we can do in the world. We join ourselves together, feeling ourselves held in this circle. So now let us remember and know 
person to person, life to life, how blessed we are. And let us feel these blessings. We are blessed by the lives of the past for all of those who have been here, who created and nurtured and maintained this church that we might gather now. We are blessed by each other. Feel in your hands the blessing of each other. We are blessed by being our true selves, by helping each other learn and learn and live and grow. We are blessed by the potential of the future. We are called by those yet to come to this place, to this ministry for the world. This is our shared ministry. Together, we suffer and we succeed. We hurt and we heal. We live and breathe and step into the gift of every day. May this ministry of all go forward. May you encircle each other. May you hold Rachel so that she may stay at the center. May you hold each other and live forward together. May it be so. Amen. Beloved friends, I bring you the greetings and congratulations of the Congregation of the Unity Church of St. Paul and of its ministers and staff who hold Rachel, who served as Holman intern with us, close to our hearts and take some small credit <laughs> in her success. Our two congregations share couple of members and uh, certain attributes. Both were founded by evangelical, Luther, <laughs> evangelical liberal ministers <laughs> in the social and intellectual tumult of the middle of the 19th century. Both were instrumental from their founding in bringing Unitarian Universalist values to bear in service to their cities. Our connections go back a long way. When she was still a young woman aspiring to ministry despite the intense objections of her father, Carolyn Bartlett Crane met transcendentalist, proto-feminist Unitarian William Channing Gannett, who was a partner in ministry to Uncle Jenk, <laughs> and was then minister of Unity Church in St. Paul, who both encouraged her 
to embrace her call and traveled here to Kalamazoo to charge her when she was installed as your minister. Those of us who know and love church life well are aware how often ministers are given credit for work that actually grows from the ministry we share. Yes, this afternoon marks the start of another golden time in the history of this congregation, but if you attribute the Renaissance, we can, hardly, we can honestly anticipate solely to Rachel's arrival, you will have missed the point entirely. This is your ministry. Ministers, even great ministers, come and go. But the people of the church remain. Another attribute our two congregations share is a deep connection to and an appreciation for the larger purposes of liberal religion. I mention this only to reinforce the fact that at our best, we understand that the church is in the world to serve purposes far beyond our own needs. People's church can be a refuge for you, but it can never only be a refuge. History teaches us that there are times when we need to send our leaders out into the world in order to live out the larger love we hope to serve. So yes, encourage Rachel to be a voice for equity, justice, and inclusion in the community, a task which she has already embraced. But don't ever rest on the illusion that you can delegate your duty to speak out for yourselves. Her ministry, however transforming, however powerful, pales when compared to yours. Be present and accounted when the world cries out for your attention. Get on with your work. Be brave. Be resolute. Don't let the old arguments distract you any longer. Theological diversity is our birthright and our obligation. It is a hallmark of who we have always been. That means that fundamentalisms of all kinds are banished from this place. Practice is for us far more significant than belief. Show it. Show what you believe. Live what you believe. The old debates about whether or not God is, the debates about the nature of the holy or the languages of reverence are outdated and useless. Stop it. <laughs> Give it up. It's a distraction. Love matters far more than language. Pay attention to what matters most. Become, I beg of you, a people whose song is hallelujah and whose name breathes love. I charge you then to these three duties. Get out your pencils. <laughs> this is what you're here to learn. Strengthen yourselves. Strengthen yourselves by developing a personal devotional life. 
If you don't like the word devotional or you don't like the word spiritual, then these are maintenance disciplines, I suggest to you. (laughs) A personal devotional life which includes but is not limited to weekly worship. Daily practice is the first key to living a loving and effective life, and that is actually what we're here to learn to do. Live loving, effective lives. So, daily practice. Then strengthen each other by learning the skills of small group intimacy so that you can eventually go deep quickly with strangers. Listening well, becoming capable of deep intimacy and honesty with other people is, it seems to me, the second key. And lastly, when by daily practice and intimate conversation, your heart breaks open and compassion rises, organize it. Find ways to bless the world. Ask yourselves, Where are our values needed most? How can we, how can I bless the world? Do these three things and people's church will flourish. Set these three expectations in place for your people. Now listen, some of you have been on membership committees, haven't you? Raise your hand if you've been on the membership committee. See, a lot of people have. And when people join the church, you tell them, Here's what we hope you'll do. We hope you'll attend church regularly because we'd love to see you. We hope you'll join a committee, and we hope you'll make a pledge. Is that basically what you tell them? It's not what you tell them. You tell them develop personal practice, learn to go deep quickly with strangers, and bless the world? Well, then you're in good shape. (laughs) Set these three expectations in place for your people, and they will be generous out of gratitude instead of out of obligation. You see, obligation is not sustainable, but gratitude is. Do these three things, and your shared ministry will soar on eagle's wings, radiant and holy, so that not only you, but Kalamazoo, and in truth the world will be more richly blessed. God bless you, then. And may God bless this ministry made new. Amen. I think of that book by uh, Robert Reich, I'll Be Short. Uh, In both senses, you'll be happy to know. Um, Good afternoon. I am the Reverend Barbara Gaydon and lead minister at Elliott Unitarian Chapel just outside of the city of St. Louis. Um, I bring you greetings from your Unitarian Universalist cousins in St. Louis. 
and I have had the honor and the delight of serving as one of Rachel's mentors in her first years of fellowship and credentialing with the UUA. And I'm honored to give the charge to the minister. So, um, first and probably most obviously, Rachel, I charge you to love the people. Look at these people. Aren't they lovable? They're very lovable. That's an that's easy one. I also charge you to love the people whom you just cannot help but love and love the ones who challenge you to love them. Remember that these are not two mutually exclusive things. And as I've been experiencing this over the past uh, yesterday and today, this is a love fest. This is the, a, a beautiful feeling of joy and union and love between a new minister and congregation. And it's so wonderful, in fact, I bet it will be tempting to avoid doing anything to shake that up. <laughs> anything that might be risky or bold or new. Remember, I charge you that a thriving church requires a little shake-up. Sometimes a lot, so I charge you to shake it up. I also charge you to ask for help. You will regularly find things that will completely and utterly baffle you if your experience is anything like mine. Your colleagues, your colleagues are here in rich abundance, and they are here to remind you that you are not alone. We will be here, we will show up for you, and you need to ask us to show up for you, to help you. I charge you, no, actually I'm not. I'm not going to charge you to work hard because I know you, and I know that you already do that, and I don't need to do that. Um, but I charge you then to play hard both with the congregation and apart from them. Take your vacation. Take your study leave, all of it. Take time away with your family. Take time for dates. Remember, remember that taking your husband to the church potluck is not a date. <laughs> it will not count. <laughs> so you guys, if she... If she tries to tell you that that's a date, then don't interrupt that. In February of this year, something incredibly tragic happened in this town. The tragic drive-by shooting that happened. And I can only imagine how devastating this was for the people in Kalamazoo and here in this church. And Rachel, the words you said at a public vigil helped people, they ministered to people, they mattered. And I can only imagine how proud of you this church was. I certainly was. And you will doubtless have many other opportunities for public witness yourself, but as Rob said, I charge you to help your church speak, to help your church speak its voice and do its public witness. When you have the choice between going someplace by yourself to speak out or taking, going and taking people from here with you, take people with you. You have a long and rich history in this church. It's, it's a beautiful history. Um, 
love, a lovely history to step gracefully into, as you have. I challenge you to help the people here take the spirit of this history forward into today. Draw the courage of the ancestors. You're facing things they could not imagine facing. Things that you will need to build new ways of being together that fit this time and this place. And as they were willing to do that then, you must be willing to do that with them now. What else can I say? Your mission is to go out and explore new civilizations. <laughs> to boldly go where no church has gone before. Make it so. Engage. Since Rachel has had a charge from the ministers and our congregation has been charged, um, she also wanted a charge from the children. So in our um, student evaluations this past month, we added the final line that says, what advice would you give to Reverend Rachel as she begins her ministry here? So this is the charge from the children and the youth of People's Church. Connect to the community. Everyone deserves to make their own choices. Be kind. Keep doing what you're doing. More specialty classes. <laughs> Go outside. Keep doing what you're doing. Talk like the wind. Be nice. She's good at her job. Be as great as you yourself can be. Hugs to her. Food is nice. <laughs> be nice to everyone and practice. Less iPad, more connecting with people of service. Include the youth in more services and allow them to plan services. Do what you're doing now, it's great. <laughs> Add more about pagan roots of holidays, such as Ostara. Provide other points of view. Be chill about rules. Stay in touch with the youth and project confidence. Just be you! So the children have, um, we've made a card to, Rachel, to uh, honor Rachel, and we have included the charge in here um, so that you can be reminded and review these items. Thank you all. What a joyous day this is. And as our worship ends, may we gird ourselves for the work ahead. May we go out boldly. May we be born again and again and again. So let us go in peace and go in love. And let us go out singing. Our recessional hymn is We'll Build a Land. Please join me in singing. <laughs> 